Hi, everybody. This is Brian Christman. Shane Kelly. Adam Murdo. Matt. Chris Everly. Peter Rios. And we're from the Comic Geek Speak podcast. On May 2nd of this year, our friend and fellow podcaster, Jamie D'Alessandro, lost his battle with cancer. In honor of Jamie, we are participating in a 5K and 10K race to raise money for the Livestrong Foundation, which provides support for people with cancer. We will be taking part in the Team Livestrong Challenge Philly on Sunday, August 17th in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. We are collectively running and walking under the team name of Jamie's Avengers. If you'd like to join us in the event or make a donation to our team, go to Livestrong.org and search for Jamie's Avengers. Thank you all for your time and Jamie's Avengers Assemble! Comic Timing is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 157 of Comic Timing, a comics podcast devoted to the average comic book fan from the average comic book fan. Join in as Brent Casino, rotating panel against myself, Ian Levison, discuss whatever comes to mind, time after time, here on Comic Timing. It's a comic book catch-up episode, because I haven't talked to Brent in a few weeks, and we should probably write that ship. We'll talk comics, and movies, and movies about comics, and stuff, and thanks, Laurie. Here now, comic timing. Hey there, folks, my name is Ian Levinstein, and welcome to episode 157 of Comic Timing. And it's the uh, dynamic duo, back together again, nobody else on the call to cut Brent off. What's going on, Brent? Fuck you, Raph, I heard that. <laughs> Man, I'm, uh, I'm gonna have to have like some sort of like epic rap battle or something like that between the two of you to try and uh, try and calm things down. It sounds like he's totally immersed in his Maryland culture, so I don't think we'll get him back for a while. Yeah, well, what, what's uh, chances are what's gonna happen with him is he's gonna get the uh, the podcasting bug again, and it's gonna be you know guesting on this show and starting up his own show again, and we'll see if that new show lasts more than six months. We'll see what happens. Similar to Brandon. His yeah. long promised podcast. That's still coming, apparently, because he's, apparently. he's been. Rec- it's supposed to be on our feed, right? Yes, it is. When it happens, uh, he, he's just got to. I think he wants to get a few episodes in the can before he actually starts releasing them. Uh, he's got to learn that, that that's not a thing. Yeah. That's, that's not a thing. Remember when we used to do that? Remember it's how. O- <laughs> it's only a thing for uh, for CGS <laughs> and, and pre- prestigious, prodigious. Festivious? <laughs> how do you say people who do a lot of shit? Shmish, mish. Yeah, Th- those two. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> only well, for them. Well, I mean, come on. We we remember what happened when we used to put episodes in a can. That just meant that uh, th- that episodes would sit in a can for about five months at a time. That's but, right. Yeah. That's right. Well, this this episode is indeed sponsored by DCBS Discount Comic Book Service. Check them out at dcbservice.com. Now that the month has rolled over, we have ourselves some new deals to be found at dcbservice.com. As I as I type it in here in my browser to try and get you some of said deals. But as usual, 50% off on Marvel and DC hardcovers, 40% off Marvel, DC, Image, and Dark Horse new releases, and occasional scattered 50% off and sometimes 75% off deals uh, from here and there. Uh, Just on the front page here, the Teen Titans Earth 1 hardcover is 50% off for $11.49, and that one's premiering soon. The original Sincom companion is 50% off. Sadly, that means it's still going to be $62.50 because prices keep going up on these goddamn hardcover collections. But, you know, at least you're getting it for 50% off of regular price. And 
worst comes to worst, you wait until it's 75% off somewhere else. But there's plenty of other stuff to get at DCBService.com. And make sure to buy your digital stuff through their digital storefront so you can get even more off of your monthly order. DCBService.com, we thank them for their sponsorship. So, Brent, you haven't talked in a while uh, longer than I have. So, uh, so what you been up to lately? What you been reading? What you been seeing? Uh, I have been reading a couple of things. Um, I mean, same thing. I've, 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 same things I have been reading. I saw Days of Future Past and uh, Transformers Four. Yeah, how was how was uh, what was your take on Days of Future Past? Since we uh, we we got uh, me, me and Chris's take. Let's get yours. Uh, I, I was I was just listening to your take before you finally uh, came on and. You know, stop me from waiting half an hour. <laughs> hey, come on. I was finishing the leftovers, goddammit. So, so now I know next time I'm not going to tell you I'm going to be a little – can we push it back so I won't be late? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to maintain the time, and I'll be there whenever I'll be there because that's what you did to me tonight. Right. Well, I, the same has been done for me in the past, so okay. you know, go, go, go so, figure. Yeah. Or right. I'll just you know actually show up when I'm supposed to, which might be a better idea. But please that, continue. That would be a better idea. That would be. So, so my kind of take on the movie was uh, you know, if I had to give it a star rating to kind of – Start things off. I'd say it was about a three out of five for me. Mm-hmm. I did not see it right when it came out. I saw it probably a month or so after everything had, you know, calmed down and settled down. Right. And um, although I was pleased to see that there wasn't like a bunch of like internet spoilers on this fucking movie, like uh, say Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. Two or Captain America: Winter Soldier, I didn't see Spider-Man Two. I did see Cap right when it came out because I knew shit was going down. Right. And they and they basically told you in all the press leading up to that, like, you're going to want to see this right when it comes out. <laughs> um, but it was just, to me, it was kind of like a middling mad movie. Um, I kind of felt like the, the classic cast kind of got the short shrift of things, having mostly uh, lineless and action-heavy uh, cutaways, you know, instead of actually... I didn't really feel like they were threatened at all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sure, they, they all died, and then they went back in time again, and it was like, oh, we're still alive. Cool, now we can prevent this. I didn't really understand how that whole thing with Blink and Bishop and Kitty Pride worked, how that was an alarm system. Well, like, essentially, they all die, yeah. and then she sends Bishop back into the past, and he says, hey, we're all going to die. We need to move, and then they move. That's kind of like an anticlimactic way of being in a movie to me. Well, it's a, like, it, really? It, it, so it's avoiding a, everything altogether. Right. Well, it's a good way to ensure that you don't get yourself pummeled to death. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess so. To me, it was kind of like, eh, really? Yeah. So you're just, you're just turning yourselves into giant pussies once you find out you all die. Right. Um, I mean, I guess I would do the same thing. But for an X-Men movie, that's not what I expect. Um, I, di- I did like Bishop, and I did like uh, Blink. I'm not familiar with uh, Blink at all, so when you guys were like, that's exactly how she was used, I was like, who? Well, from, from Exiles and Age of Apocalypse and all that jazz. Right, so yeah. I, I have no clue. But I thought the portals were cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Bishop, I liked. I would have liked to have seen the M a little darker, maybe yeah. like a tattooed scar or something like that, just to make it more visually pop on the screen because that those scenes too were like so they were so dark yeah you know everything took place at night or under heavy cloud fall whatever you want to call it it just it wasn't as visually attractive to me as singer's other x-men films like the first one had this kind of white thing in the very beginning with the snow in canada and then it was night, but then you had the browns and the dulcet tones of the, the xavier school and the greens and everything and then the uh X-Men 2 was kind of like a lot of brown and green because mm-hmm. you had those flashback sequences of, of uh, 
Wolverine with this green tint, and then you're in the Weapon X facility, which is like green and kind of sickly blues and things like that. And this and this didn't really have like a a, a color theme to me. It was just kind of weird. Um, except it was kind of like all dark, all black. And then you pop back into the past, and it's like, oh, hey, we're in daylight again, and we talk like 60s uh, pop stars or something like that, eh? Um, it was the 70s. The 70s, whatever. It was just kind of like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Yeah. I I, I um First Class b- before... I think the movie actually came out. I thought I was going to see it sooner than I did. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked First Class. And after watching First Class probably for like the third time, I was kind of like, uh, okay, I can see how this is kind of a smaller X-Men movie. I mean, um, the the climax wasn't a big battle as much as it was relationships. I mean, some people will be like, what are you talking about? The climax was a Cuban Missile Crisis and you had all that stuff. But, you know, really the climax was Magneto moving missiles towards them, away from them, towards them, away from them, while they were like mine, you know, somebody else was mind battling somebody else. Um, and then, uh, you know, they had a fight and argument which ended badly. Yeah. And and to me, the same thing happened in this movie, which is, I think, why I dislike it so much. Because you had Magneto moving big things with his powers, a.k.a. the stadium and all the cop bullets and stuff, um, you know, and holding them and moving them towards them, moving them away. And then you had a mind battle with Xavier and Magneto and Mystique going, you could stop him, you know, all this nonsense. And then, uh, you know, it was just a conversation that ended the movie. And to me, that was kind of like, you know, really? Well, to, to me, the X-Men have not necessarily they're not necessarily about the fights like they are about a difference in ideologies and specifically with Xavier and Magneto that's always kind of been the case and right. I, I understand that I, I I remember watching the cartoon and, and I've read enough X-Men now that I, I get that yeah but those first two singer movies ended with climactic battle sequences mm-hmm. like you had the showdown in Weapon X you or um in the first one, it was on top of the Statue of Liberty, and everybody was using their powers. And to me, this this movie didn't really deliver that. Mystique was being Mystique; she was shape changing, which is a cool effect. But we've seen it like seven times now. Wolverine got meddled up and thrown into a river. So he, even though he was the main guy of the movie, he was essentially useless the last twenty minutes of the film. Well, but but um, Beast but- wasn't really doing anything because. So, so to me, I think that's why I didn't enjoy the movie too much. Mm-hmm. It's because the big climactic action sequences was like at the very beginning instead of at the end where I thought it, it should have been. And I also thought what was weird is I was thinking there was going to be a more clear villain in the film, and there wasn't. Like, you know, first class you had Kevin Bacon being awesome Kevin Bacon, and he was he was a villain. You could see why they were they were going to stop this. And I, no, I have not read the original thing, so it's probably just as anticlimactic as the movie. But to me, the movie lacked that narrative structure because it was like we're going to stop Mystique from doing this thing, even though she was kind of still doing it, and and it wasn't really clear yeah. why they had to stop her. I, I, would, I would I would stopped. suggest you read the original Days of Future Past at some point just to just to have read. I mean, it's not even like it's that long of a story. It's no, it, I know it's only like two issues. Yeah. but for the movie, for the movie though, right? Which is a separate entity. It well, didn't really seem like there was a clear villain. Like I thought Trask would be more evilly and Trask, and and, that, and that's just it. With I mean, going back to what I just said before, like you know Trask. It has never actually really been 
a a villain. He's been a man who is afraid. You know, he's afraid of evolution. He's afraid of change. That's why the Sentinels were created to begin with, to be a way to uh, sort of keep humanity in control as opposed to, uh, you know, ooh, all mutants are evil. I need to get rid of them, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, it's almost like a defense mechanism, that sort of thing. And with Trask in this movie, I mean, casting uh, Peter Dinklage in the role, I, I felt really helped that because, you know, you could see, too, that this is a, a guy who, you know, probably went through some hardships in his life, some, you know, teasing or whatnot in, in, his, in his life that would lead him to, uh, you know, be not exactly the most confident and strongest of willed human beings in the world. And, you know, you could easily see someone of, of his nature uh, overreacting and uh, and wanting to ensure that, uh, you know, the mutant race doesn't wind up keeping him down the way he was brought down in his life before, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, and, and that's why I felt really worked here uh, with the story. And, and there were climactic, I mean, there, there were climactic fights. It's just most of the fighting was happening in the future, as opposed to in 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 the past, and and yeah, there was Magneto, you know, taking a freaking stadium, which you know, as I joked on the episode, you know, that's why the uh, the senators moved, um, <laughs> you know, getting getting that whole stadium in there to try and uh, and essentially uh, destroy downtown DC to make his point. You know, th- there was plenty of battle to be had. It's just it wasn't a a mutant on mutant Donnybrook because there was no brotherhood of the evil mutants to be fighting them here you know yeah it it wasn't that sort of thing i think that's kind of where the movie lost me was it there wasn't like a clear threat and even i was expecting a sentinel battle between the x-men and the sentinels in the 1970s but um, magneto immediately you know disabled them and did what he did with them and i was kind of like really we're not going to get to see these these first wave sentinels in action because to me that those were the coolest looking sentinels i totally did not like the future sentinel uh nanobite technology thing mm-hmm. i uh, it's just pretty bland design to me uh looked more like the destroyer from thor than anything else we'd seen so i i was kind of hoping to see those new ones in action and they they kind of did but they were kind of stiff and it was almost like you know, they had all these figures like this is the biggest X Men budget to date, or biggest budget of the whole summer movie season, or outside Transformers, and it really didn't feel like it. You know what I mean? Like I don't know where they spent their money, but it really did not feel like it was a big budget movie. Well, they 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 spent their money on the on the effects for the the Nimrod Sentinels and and on the past Sentinels and and also to get the uh, the period. Right, because I mean, uh, the with movies that are set in the seventies, they've got to do a lot of post production work to try and make a city transform right. into yeah. the nineteen seventies. And I know I could definitely see that a lot of of the effort would be done there. You know, say like a Silver Linings Playbook, also like you don't even notice how much CGI is being used there because they've they've got to transform streets into uh, w- what they looked like at the time. So that that's that's definitely part of the budget. Yeah. So that that would be my biggest thing with the movie is it it, it failed to deliver as a big budget Brian Singer X Men movie f- right. for me compared to the other ones. Like you didn't you, think it was a coda to X Two. Last Stand was a was a bigger 
movie than this one to me. No. You know what I mean? Like more satisfying on a, on an action level. Oh, hell no. <laughs> to me, I'm, I'm, I know. You know, I've never I've never truly hated Last Stand. Yeah. I understand people's problems with it. I never truly but hated as a fun it either. Romp. Yeah. I, I I like it a little. It's bit. It's an uneven movie. I mean that that's that's yeah. what uh, Last Stand is. But even with the fights, I mean, in, in that one with with all the with all the mutants they threw in there for the sake of throwing in there like there was there was very little to to even catch on to in that and like the the, the the phoenix fight scenes i mean come on there was nothing to to really enjoy about those to, well, for, for me at least for me i i could sum it up and say x-men days of future past was a little too much first class and a little less brian singer than i would have liked all right well i mean to and and yet you know, to me and and to Chris and to a bunch of other people that I know, like this was like almost the spiritual successor to X two, in the way that Wolver it, it was another Wolverine Striker story in certain aspects. Yeah, to which you know, I'm tired of though. Yeah, but but it was it was good to see at least for me, not exactly writing the ship, but sort of bringing things back to pre X three in a lot of aspects, like. Hallelujah! <laughs> that that X three didn't happen. That, that, well, that. okay, that's that's great and fine and dandy to say, but honestly, we know the next X Men movie is going to be is Apocalypse. Apocalypse, yeah. So to me, it's kind of like why why did they bother writing the ship? Uh, other than to say that that movie didn't happen, just so that hardcore fans are pleased. But it's not like they're going to give another X Men movie to that cast. Well, it's going to be the new cast yeah. going on further, unless they do more time travel stuff. Also, uh, in the next one, Jackman's apparently going to be in the uh, in the uh, Apocalypse movie as well, even though that's set in the eighties. Right. But that that'll probably be his yeah. last outing as Wolverine, unless they pony up and pay him fifty million dollars, like they did Robert Downey Jr. Right? You know, what I mean, yeah. we'll so, see. We'll see. That's kind of my thing. It seemed kind of pointless to to have a last hurrah for this cast when when we know that they're not going to really do anything with them in the future. All right. Well, I mean, look, I mean, I'm glad that you enjoyed it at least a little bit. I'm, I'm glad that you didn't hate it as much as Transformers. That much <laughs> that much well, makes me happy To inside. me, honestly, Transformers was kind of like the same. Yeah. Um it, it, you know, every I of course I read reviews beforehand saying how terrible this movie was and it was way too long and it was definitely way too long. We're going to I'm going to um, find a Transformer. Say hi to your mother for me. And Mark Mark Wahlberg, I love him or hate him, he was Mark Wahlberg in this movie. <laughs> Is he better than Shia LaBeouf? Uh, I mean, I I wouldn't have minded seeing Shia again. I liked his character. I like him as an actor at that point in his career. Whatever he's doing now, I, I checked himself in the rehab. That's what he's right. doing. Well, I don't have any respect for him as an actor or anything he's done since that last Transformers movie. Let me yeah. put it that way. Well, he hasn't done uh, much. I mean, uh, the uh, what was Lawless, it? I think, was yeah. kind of stupid. Nymphomaniac uh, Part 1 and 2, which I hear is actually supposed to be pretty good. It's just. Well, I, I'm not interested in seeing those yeah. films. But he's, he's not, he's not a, uh, a main character of those anyway, from everything right. I've heard. Right. It seems like he's gone off the deep end and is trying to do these weird art oh, pieces. Yeah. And whenever actors do that, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of bored. I'd, I'd rather you do one for you, me and then one for you and then one for me and, yeah. you know, do a big movie that I want to see you in and then do a small one I'm not going to watch. We, uh, we, we, we call that the Will Smith effect. Right. Yeah. So, but to Transformers 4, I will, I will describe it like this it is more of the same. And it is definitely better than Transformers 2. 
well, yeah, that that does that doesn't take much. Like, that's I, not a that's not a far bar to surpass. Right. I know. I I, t- but, I took a, I took a really satisfying shit earlier that was significantly <laughs> better than Transformers Two. So, um, but it, this movie still is significantly better than Transformers Two. Yeah. Uh, compared to the other ones, I'd still say I've had the most fun watching the first one in Dark of the Moon. Mm-hmm. I'd put probably put those on equal uh, equal level with Transformers Four being below them. You know, they're not great. None of these movies are great movies by far. <laughs> Three was probably my favorite of the bunch. <laughs> right, and that's kind of where I'm was leaning there too. Yeah, but it's it's more of the same. If you liked one and you thought three was a significant improvement from two, mm-hmm. and you liked the direction that three was, I think you will enjoy four for what it is. Yeah. But you kind of have to kind of go in with that. Like, I mean, it's a Transformers movie. There's product placement out the yin yang, and it's Michael Bay doing his stuff again. No Xbox it, Transformers this time. No Xbox Transformers. Damn. No. Darn. Uh, I think they would have done PlayStation if they had done that, but <laughs> uh, we'll see. Yeah. I, I, so, I kind of would have liked to see a new director on. Quite honestly. Well, you're going to uh, after after this movie. This is Michael Bay's last one. Like he's 187 percent said that. Like he might still well, be a producer. That's what of the he franchise. said after three. I thought. Though. Yeah, I know. And then they convinced him. They gave him a pile of cash big enough to make him do one more. But. Uh, I think he is actually moving on uh, to, you know, ruining uh, TMNT, but I know he's not directing that, uh, but it still looks terrible. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see where the uh, franchise goes from here. How were the Dinobots, at least? The Dinobots were were an afterthought, honestly. Um, the film opens up, and anything you've read on the internet will tell you the same thing. So, spoilers on if you really give a shit. The movie opens up with this weird, awkward, like, prologue where... These alien creators, makers, or whatever the I think they call them, the makers, yeah. come d- down and pour this living liquid on Earth, and it turns everything to metal. Organic, it turns everything organic that it touches into metal. Okay. So you see a baby T Rex running around. Ah ah ah! I'm so cute. Ah ah. So anyway, the they come, they turn the dinosaurs to metal. That was the great extinction, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. 15 minutes before the movie ends, uh, Trans- Optimus walks into some cave in China and finds these Dinobots. Uh, or no. Actually, no. They're on lockdown ship. He takes a big sword out of lockdown ship, frees them. They fall to the earth or some bullshit. And he says, uh, fight for me or die. He, so it's kind of like, uh, hey, guys, I freed you. Uh, ho- we're fighting this guy down the street. And uh, uh, the big T-Rex one says no in a big roar and charges him. And then it turns into like, well, if you're not going to help us, I'm going to kill you. And then they kind of go and they're always in their robot forms and they kind of do things, but they don't talk. They don't have any interaction or anything like that. Mm-hmm. After that, they're kind of done. And then they trans back into their robot forms, which are bigger, like three times the size of Optimus Prime. Yeah. And then Optimus is like, bye-bye, guys. You're free to roam China now. And then they transform back into Dinobots and they're like, they're gone out of sight. So it's kind of like, hey, you guys really wanted Dinobots? Here you go. Up, oh, see you later. Too bad. Just too much money to actually put thought into these characters. It's freaking tease. That's all it is. Yeah. Ugh. Jeez. Well, so, so what would you give it? Like about a two? I, I would give it like a two and a half, three. All right. Okay. Well, a movie that I would give about a four and a half out of five uh, is actually Edge of Tomorrow, which 
I, I when I saw the initial trailers for it, I was a little half and half. Like you know, it it, it seemed like uh, you know just another Tom Cruise movie, but it turned out to be really really fun. It's 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 based on a uh, on a Japanese novel called All You Need Is Kill, which to me is a much better title than Edge of Tomorrow. But they didn't want Kill in the title, you know, cough cough Kill Bill, cough cough to kill a mockingbird, but. You know, whatever. They wanted the PG-13 movies, so they changed the name to Edge of Tomorrow. It's basically Groundhog Day with a sci-fi bit. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's Tom Cruise's character reliving the same day over and over again uh, to try and defeat uh, this alien race that has taken over the Earth. And, you know, he starts off... It's also sort of a redemption story, too, similar to uh, Groundhog Day, because it starts off and he's this disgraced a general that uh, is, is trying his best to desert from the front and and he's uh, he's arrested and placed into uh, the 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 private squad uh, to, to to essentially be forced onto the uh, the battlefront whether he likes it or not and in the process of doing so uh, he winds up in a battle with these exosuits that that uh, the I guess the military uses to uh, to fight the aliens at this point and he winds up getting covered in the blood of one of the alpha aliens, uh, that, that like one of the heads of, of one of the groups. And if you're covered in this blood, he doesn't notice at the time, but this is, I mean, this is barely even a spoiler because it happened so early in the movie. Uh, you're, you're covered uh, in the blood. You then wind up essentially resetting the day over and over again, as long as you have that blood in your system. If you ever get a, bro- a blood transfusion, then the power's gone, whether you like it or not. And he winds up finding a another uh, member of the of the army that had the same power until a blood transfusion occurred, and that's the character played by Emily Hunt. And they they wind up essentially training to uh, do their best to try and defeat this alien horde, find the the queen of the hive essentially, and uh, and defeat everybody. What's great about it though is that there's actually humor to the movie. Like it's not. It's not done straight, and if it was, it probably would have sucked. But there's there's genuine like positive fun atmosphere to to the movie, uh, even with all the destruction and whatever. So that that's what really made me like it. And whether we like it or not, Tom Cruise is a damn good actor. <laughs> you know, like he he is not in many stinkers, uh, and he he really adds to this movie uh, as a uh, as an actor. And also, it helps that Bill Paxton is in there with a really shitty Southern accent. So, <laughs> I I would recommend catching it if you haven't caught it yet. Uh, go see it, and if not, uh, wait for Netflix, and it'll be a really good ride. I I really really enjoyed it. How much better than Oblivion is this movie? Uh, a lot. Like okay, like a lot, a lot, a lot better. Like. The move again. It, it completely shatters all expectations I had for the thing. Like I thought it would be a, a decent movie. It's actually better than decent. Like it's it's an incredibly fun sci-fi movie that you know. Like I said, it, it dude. It is essentially like if they had been able to fit Bill Murray in as a cameo, like that would have been awesome because it is Groundhog Day with sci-fi elements. And anybody who loves Groundhog Day will probably wind up loving this. <laughs> so yeah, give it a give it a go, man. Cool. I yeah. will seek it out when it comes available. Sweet. What you been reading? I have been reading Batman Eternal and Earth 
or, or God, what is it? Earth two? No, Future's End, which sucks, by the way. Oh yeah, I'm so sorry. Future's End sucks. Good, glad to, glad to hear it. <laughs> so I, they finally put the uh, free comic book day issue on Comicsology. So I read that, and yeah. then you know, so everything you'd seen from that issue was like, ooh, Ethan Van Skyver art. So I was like, my buddy, he's back. <laughs> he did a whole issue and it's free comic book day like that's a huge push yeah nah he did like five pages ah. and everybody else like partied in like gangbang style on this uh free comic book day issue which was the best issue of the bunch Figures. unfortunately yeah um so basically that free comic book day issue is like terminator in the future where like shit's going down okay. everybody's a robot if that's if there's one issue you should read it's that it's free on comicsology grab it before it's gone um after that i don't i don't know what to tell you um, because they send Batman Beyond back in time to fix this thing, and instead of going back to, I guess she should come back to like present day DCU. He comes to five years in the future uh, DCU. Okay. So apparently at that point it's too late, quote unquote. Um, but then that's that's like issue number one of the actual series, and then from there they go into all these different side plots. Mister Terrific is now a, a gangster thug and black people on the internet are throwing their arms up in air because he was a respectable black man and now he's got tattoos and is being a jerk so now he's a thug and white people are evil that kind of stuff uh, you missed that whole internet thing you know, I'm assuming uh, yeah. <laughs> so it, that really has no point it's just Mr. Terrific is like a he's has tattoos and he's just like a he's a magnet now he's a Donald Trump type Okay. Um, I don't know exactly why and then so the, then Firestorm they're f- the two guys who are Firestorm are still Firestorm but they're fighting and you know they don't want to be Firestorm anymore so they they take the w- one main hook and then they in the like the second issue they have all these weird different subplots like for some reason Green Arrow dies and um, you know and that's not a spoiler there's a picture of his coffin on the second issue okay um but they never called back to that again. So it's like they're throwing all these weird different plot things out and they're not they're not coming together. And they're uh, not entertaining to read. Like remember when you were reading 52? Yeah. And it was like, "Oh, okay, I see." You know, in the first kind of issue, they kind of like they kind of linked everything together a little bit or they interacted with each other enough or at least the tales were interesting enough to read that you were like, "I could read this every week." Yeah. Okay. And, and I did. Right. And but that they don't have that with that oh, with yeah. uh future's end is there even like one plot that's worth reading <laughs> to me no I, I think they need to jump back in with uh, batman beyond and and figure this out because mm-hmm. you know it the thing ends in march and i know that's okay uh, uh you know eight months away or some such but it reads more like countdown right at the very beginning well no i would say i enjoyed countdown even at the very beginning and i enjoyed it at the end too it got really cool and they threw it away with Final Crisis. Yeah, because because they weren't actually talking to Grant Morrison. Right. <laughs> um, so it's kind of the worst weekly they've had yet, in my opinion. Yeah. I. I um, uh, Batman Eternal is is shaping up to be something really cool. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, that I think that is definitely worth checking out. That'll be that'll be something I pick up and trade from the Brooklyn Public Library at some point. I, I'm. I'm still not regularly reading any DC comics uh, other than Vertigo, and I'm behind on my fables and my uh, unwritten to begin with, so that's not going to be anything I pick up anytime soon, but I'm sure because it has the word Batman in it, my my library will get it in, so (laughs) I don't have to worry about missing that at at some point. Yeah, that's definitely cool to read. Um, I've read some of the Doomed 
Superman stuff where like mm-hmm. Doomsday or infected Superman. Yeah. That's kind of neat. It's interesting. It's not a rehash of uh, Death of Superman or anything like that. Okay. You will love the last like four issues of New Avengers that have come out. Like I, I dropped, I had dropped the title at one point. I had dropped it about a issue eighteen, like essentially after Infinity. I I, I gave the uh, the book an end because I was I was liking it, but I wasn't loving it. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I I wound up catching up to where I was, and when I saw the solicitations for I think it was issue 18 if I remember correctly and I saw that the New Avengers essentially you know the the Illuminati group were going to be facing off against a Justice League analog I'm like all right this is the closest I'm going to get to JLA Avengers anytime soon because DC and Marvel don't talk to each other so so I'm I'm going to have to hunt down the back issues and and catch up which I did uh, at NYC special edition I found uh, the Two out of the four issues I was missing for a buck a piece, uh, which also meant I got the digital issues for that dollar. So that's pretty cool. And then Raph, before he left Bits on Comics, got me the uh, issues 16 and I think 19 that I was missing to uh, fill in my gaps uh, 100%. And I went ahead and, and I read the arc with the Great Society, they call them, uh, which is uh, the Justice League analog. And mm-hmm. This is a better Justice League than DC is writing right now. Like, Jonathan Hickman, if DC ever steals Hickman away from Marvel somehow, get him to write Justice League. Because the, the, the Batman analog that they, that they, essentially the Batman-Superman relationship that he's writing is better than New 52 Batman-Superman to me. They've got a, a John Jones fill-in as part of the team. They've got a Dr. Fate on the team as well. And uh, a Flash and a Green Lantern. Uh, that's essentially the team. And y- you read a decent amount of uh, New Avengers, so you know about the incursions and all yeah, that, uh, that, yeah. that that are going on. Uh, so it really that is why the battle happens is because uh, the Great Society uh, is fighting off uh, multiple incursions, and uh, they fight off one uh, with the help of Doctor of their Doctor Fate analog, and they fight off another one, and then almost immediately afterwards, a third incursion occurs. And that is between our Earth and theirs. And I haven't read mm. issue 29 yet where the main battle happens, but he, he's writing some really compelling stories here, and the art is damn good, too. Uh, he had, uh, crap, I'm trying to think, uh, Identity Crisis. Uh, who, who drew Rags that? Morales. Yeah, Rags Morales, thank you. Uh, draw multiple issues of, of New Avengers uh, for the Great Society, and now they switched it off to another artist which has a very similar style to him. And of course, because rags can't do anything in a row. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing has changed there. <laughs> but it's it's really good stuff, man. Like, it, absolutely. If you're jonesing for like some old school Justice League, like non New Fifty Two angst, this is this is right up your alley. Mm-hmm. Did, I was going to ask. Did you finally? Speaking of Avengers, did you finally get a, uh, get caught up with Uncanny Avengers? I did. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm I'm caught up to the. Not, not. I think not the most recent issue that came out because that's in my shipment that comes this month. Mm-hmm. But the last one I read was uh, them Where actually they went through the Tachyon Dam. Or yes, whatever. that that's the last one I read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. It is fucking awesome. Like, yeah, I I really enjoyed that. I'm all caught up with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so the issue that's in your shipment, I will just say, it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere, like. I I want to go back and reread the issue before that one mm-hmm. and see like where the, it connects if it does at all. Okay. 
because last thing I remember was like they went through the Tachyon Dam, and then you pick up this next Avenger and it, or next issue, and it's like everything the same team before they fought everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's drawn by Daniel Acuna instead of the guy who did Civil War, McNiven. Right. And they're like it's like a big divergent like branch, so it's kind of doesn't follow the other stuff before anyway. So it's kind of confusing. Well, um, wait, yeah, no, I. I read those. No, the 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 Acuna stuff. I'm 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 caught up in. Like essentially, no, no, no. no. I'm saying the the most recent issue was still Acuna, uh-huh. but he's drawing the team as it was before they went. Oh, into I got gotcha. you. Okay, all right, gotcha. Earth X future thing. Right, all right, okay, all right. Yeah, so the, so they didn't switch back to McNiven. It's still, it's still no, Acuna. it's okay. still Acuna. Which this is the best Acuna art I've ever enjoyed. I agree with you. Actually, you know what? Since uh, since he worked for DC, because he he did uh, OMAC back in the day. I completely. I, uh, I remember that, but I remember we looked at his Flash issue mm-hmm. with uh, Mar- when Mark Wade tried to go home again. Yes, I uh, remember. And Barry had the kids and all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm um, just remembering that issue and not being like, yeah. being like, ugh, this oh. is kind of like, ugh. So the best since his early DC work. <laughs> Although his his Eternal stuff was also pretty decent uh, when when he did that for Marvel. That did not last very long. Part of me kind of hopes that some of this future stuff sticks around in one way or the other. You know, like we still get some of that, if not all of it. But I don't know what I don't know how they managed to pull that off. I'm I'm kind of curious why these costume designs are so much cooler than a lot of the Marvel Now costume designs, mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as like the future mutants. Yeah, I um I kind of like Cyclops's outfit a lot better than the giant red X he's wearing on his face right now. That I'll agree with you on. Yeah, I, I like Which I, I like Cyclops. I don't understand how he fires his beams through that. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody does. Uh, it, it depends on the artist too, because certain artists draw it where it's right over his face, and, and that makes a little more sense. And and they, you know, they actually make it look like that there are eye slits on it, but others do not. Uh, Psylocke's current uh, X uniform I like a little bit better than her future uniform, but Storm is badass. I like that. Yeah, Storm. I like Magneto's. Um, cable looks like Cable. Cable looks cool. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it, in, in general, like, the Avengers books are still reeling it, doing it for me. I'm worried. I'm really worried with these rumors that they're going to be rebooting everything, because uh, remember how I stopped reading DC? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Same thing with Marvel, huh? Kind of don't want to have to do that. Man, I wish somebody would call them on their shit if they ended up doing that, because, you yeah. know, we had all these promises years ago when DC did it. Oh, we will never redo that. Right. Oh, but we're going to copy their publishing strategy and we kind of realign it with what we want to do. Well, not, oh, we would never do that. Oh, we're going to do our relaunch again and relaunch everything again. Oh, we would never redo the entire universe. Oh, but we're kind of thinking about it's, it. It's kind of, well, from the sounds of it, it's much more Disney than it is Marvel. Disney's kind of going in a little bit more than they used to on, on, the, Mar- on the Marvel stuff, especially if you believe this shit. And I mean, mind you, all of it's hearsay at this point, so who frickin' knows? Like, the ideas that have been strewn about, about about how they're going to cancel Fantastic Four and, uh, you know, essentially to spite Fox and their Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, I've, I've seen all that stuff, and that stuff just read as really dumb to me. Yeah. Because um, anybody who looks at the comics business knows that that's not going to hinder the movie at all mm-hmm. or help the movie at all. Right. If they had a series publishing because all you have to do is they had all they had to do is show that guy hey look this only sells maybe like 40,000 copies mm-hmm. and the last fantastic movie four movies sold 30 million tickets so uh, let, let's weigh the dollars and cents here it really doesn't make sense to either have a fantastic four book or not yeah 
because the movie's going to do well based on the movie's own merits, not because the comic is great. Right, yeah, and, and, and it didn't really hurt the X-Men movie much that there wasn't much Days of Future Past uh, toys running around. It didn't hurt the first X-Men movie much that there were terrible X-Men comics on the stands <laughs> when that first movie came out. So, <laughs> Yeah, it was back when Claremont was still writing the book. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Oh, God, it was that long ago. Holy fuck. <laughs> Have you read uh, Sex Criminals yet, by the way? Yes. Okay. I I picked up the first trade in like the library or something. Yeah. What'd you think? And uh, that was really cool. Yeah, I I love it. It's fantastic. Well, I got I got the first issue for free when the Comicsology had their big uh, image giveaway. Mm-hmm. So I read that and I was like, I got to read more of this. Yeah. So no, I'm enjoying that. It's it's really weird for me to say that a book about orgasming is just genuine fun. Like as opposed to being like over overly sexual, and it's really not. It it manages to almost be like more of a crime book than anything else. That's what's so damn cool about it to me. Yeah, and it, it takes its like what the perceived perversiveness of it, and kind of does it in a tongue in cheek way. Mm-hmm. Um, to where this, you know, this is not a book I would ever give to anybody under eighteen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. However. If you wanted to make a case for someone underneath them reading it, I think you could because it's not overtly sexual and pornographic in, in any other ways that the internet is. You know I'm, what I mean? A mature 16 or 17-year-old maybe. Like yeah. That, that's as far as I would go. But yeah. yeah, I'm not saying giving give it to a 13-year-old. I'm certain know. there are 13-year-olds that are reading it somewhere but right. and getting off on it. But um, – <laughs> No, the, it's, they're they're probably the getting, art is such a cutesy style that it's less erotic than you'd think. Joe Casey's sex is a lot more erotic than uh, than Matt Fraction's sex criminals. I read the first couple issues of that and uh, I couldn't stand it. Yeah, it's just it was it was too much for too much sake. Yeah, and it didn't really seem like you know it, it seemed like how do I put this into words? Over the top. Over the top would be one thing when you have images of oral sex and <laughs> of a male and female and, and vice versa or yeah. lesbian, whatever. It wasn't interesting to read. Yeah. It's almost like I'm reading this weird Astro City or su- retired superhero book mm-hmm. in order to get to the the weird sex parts. And those were not anything cool to rave about. They weren't done in a funny way. Um, it, that book does everything you think sex criminals would be. Mm-hmm. And sex criminals uh, pushes all that aside and stands up on its own two feet saying, we're not that book, but yeah. we're still weird and funny and and mature. Yeah, I, I, I need to finish reading uh, Casey's sex before I, I get a, a final verdict on it. I've only read about one issue of it so far, but uh, from what I've I've read. I definitely prefer sex criminals to sex. Like I, I think I, I got through issue four, and I was like, I'm done with this book because yeah. other other than the uh, uh, X-rated nature of some of the panels, mm-hmm. there was no other reason to read it. Yeah, and like I don't need to. I don't need to go seek that stuff out. You can get that other places if you really want it, or you got it at home. Yeah. So and, and wherever you get it, other than that stupid poorly drawn comic book is going to be a lot better so if you're really looking for something like that then go do that and don't waste your time on sex that'd be my opinion the internet is for porn don't waste your time on sex the comic book (laughs) not brent this just in brent casino says don't waste your time on sex what is he a catholic priest (laughs) oh boy 
I, I'm, I'm trying to think of other things I've been reading lately that are not manga because I've been catching up on Attack on Titan a lot lately. And yeah. I know that that's nothing that you would wind up reading, but uh, Attack on Titan is really, really good. It's much more, I wouldn't quite say American in, in, in the way that it, uh, that it goes about things, but again, it's, it's, a, it's a post-apocalyptic book with some interesting twists to it, and the anime is available on Netflix also for any of you guys who, uh, who want to watch it, and I know, I know they've been airing it on Toonami uh, for actually just about months now, uh, just episode by episode, uh, once every Saturday, but you know, if you want to watch the, uh, the subbed version with subtitles, that is available on both Crunchyroll and Netflix and has been for a while. I'm, I'm about halfway through that. And it goes through the first, about the first five or six volumes of the manga. And uh, the, the, man, the manga is interesting. It, it, you know, it, it, the fact that there are humans out there, and this might be a slight spoiler, but it's, it's more the twist than anything else. It's like that there are humans out there that can turn into titans. Uh, makes makes things interesting like it's not just the uh, the puny humans facing off against these giant mindless beasts you know there, there there's other things afoot that'll probably wind up revealing itself as time goes forward in the in the manga so mm. continuing to get those from brooklyn public library not paying a cent Woo, Woo yeah <laughs> yeah and and i have the most recent volume of walking dead to read also because i got that from the library yeah i'm i'm i, I think i bought the last ninety nine cent sale they had on Comicsology, I bought like through halfway All Out War. So yeah, I think I'm waiting a little bit till they get through that, mm-hmm. and then I'll. Or I know the comic has, but I want it for ninety nine cents. That's that's, that's where that I first decided. Trade that's is, yeah. how I'm going to buy Walking Dead mm-hmm. on Comicsology. I'm gonna do ninety nine cent sales. All right. Okay. So um, I'm waiting for that. Does it mean that you, that your interest is waned, or are you just uh, trying to penny pinch? No, I'm just trying to penny pinch because okay. I bought – I have the first two compendiums and then after that second compendium I had to keep going. So then I bought – there was a 99-cent sale and I bought up to current and then I waited for the next one and bought up to current and then – so I'm kind of waiting for another one. I just bought the next Ultimate Collection of Invincible, which I believe comes out in August. So I'll hopefully have that soon because I cannot fucking wait and I'm still going to be like 10 issues behind because they've been taking forever on these Ultimate Collections. Yeah, I'm. I'm still way. I have not. I did not pick. I have not read that book in about probably like thirty issues. Like I stopped reading that before the, the Vulture Might War. Oh wow. Um, yeah. So I'm. I'm way behind on that one. I. I want to catch up, but I kind of feel like I. I well, that book is so dense. I remember when I was reading it, I was reading it all in like one. This with this issue. This issue. This like in one sitting almost. Uh, yeah. That uh, I'm kind of feeling like if I did it, jumped in now, I'd be like, wait, what the, you know, what happened. Yes, yeah, so since you're the DC guy, I, I figured I'd, I'd at least ask you at some point tonight, uh, what do you think of those uh, images that have been coming out and, and news that's been coming out about, about the Superman-Batman movie? I love Superman holding Batman and comforting him. <laughs> shh, shh, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. Hush now, hush now. I, I thought that was the best image of the bunch. <laughs> If only that was real, man. Like I, I would rather watch a broke back Superman than a than a, than a fucking versus movie. Well, I don't know. Honestly, I'm withholding judgment until I see a trailer. Yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if uh, our first glimpse of Wonder Woman is going to be our our big indicator on where this uh, movie serial 
franchise is going to go. Mm-hmm. I liked. I, I don't. Did we have we talked about Batfleck's outfit on the show? We t- we talked about Batfleck uh, in passing when when the uh, image first got released. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. I mean, I, I'm kind of digging it. I don't like the short ears. I never have. Yeah. I mean, and I, I feel like it works in comics because it's a visual representation. Mm-hmm. But on in actuality, I don't know that it works that well. Okay. So. You know, it makes them look like Catman. It does, but uh, maybe from the front end it looks different. Maybe. I, one can only hope. There were certain angles of Nolan's helmet that looked a lot better than others, too. So. Yeah, no, that's true. It's, that's it's true. not like you can't say that about any of the other ones. What do you think of Jason Momoa as Aquaman? I put a hook on his hand and throw some armor on one arm, and I think it'd be cool. I, I think that he would play a very interesting Game of Thrones-esque Aquaman. <laughs> I, I kind of think that's the only way you can make Aquaman interesting in this in this world, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Actually, uh, like warrior him up. Yeah, as as far as to mass audiences who are used to guys like Conan and Cole and you know all these types of old school barbarian characters, mm-hmm. and to make him a badass before the Namor movie comes out, if there ever is one, is the best way to go about it to kind of neutralize that, you know competition i, I kind of hope there is going to be a namor movie at some point because I, I i feel like namor is one of those marvel characters that if tapped correctly could make one hell of a movie well the universal has the rights to him so if they yeah. are going to make one it's only just going to be him do they still have the rights to him yeah oh, yeah son of a bitch because uh, cbr did something the other day it was like five other movie roles jason momoa could play and it was like namor was one of them which he'd be a great namor more than he'd be a great Aquaman, unless they're making Aquaman like Namor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which they've done in the past. Uh, that surprises me that Universal still has the rights to that, considering that most of Universal's rights already reverted back to Marvel. Right. I think this is the only one that they own. And okay. th- I, there's probably some sort of like failure to exercise clause in that contract. Yeah, something like, like that. By X year, and then it reverts back to Marvel, but who Yeah. Who do you, who do you think Rosario Darson's going to play in the uh, Daredevil uh, TV show? Somebody shouted out Echo, and I kind of want that idea. Yeah, I, I, I was definitely on the Echo train myself. More, yeah. I'd like that more than uh, Electra, honestly. Because well, Electra's been done. You know, I, I don't think we need Electra that soon into a, a new Daredevil franchise. Like, I feel like that would actually just be copying a little bit too much. Well, I mean, it was done. It was done poorly. Yes. Well. I mean, I'm a Jennifer Gardner, not as much as the next guy, but nobody can say that she was really an awesome Electra. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and and the choice for Kingpin, I I, I like that a lot. Uh, I, I like that. I've seen some other people who didn't like it as much, and you know, kind of just slammed Vincent D'Onofrio for being a shitty actor or something. But I'm kind of like, the last thing I saw him in was the Jennifer Lopez movie The Cell. So. Mm-hmm. I can't say that he's good or bad. Not that Alfredo's a, a career actor, you know. You, you can't knock that. Like he's he's played some good roles, he's played some bad roles, but I think that when directed correctly and when given the right role to play, uh, he could actually excel incredibly well. And uh, dude, Kingpin's totally in his wheelhouse. Like he's he's played criminals before, he's played uh, heads of crime families before, so it's a perfect fit. The only guy I'm kind of wary on is the guy that they cast for Matt Murdock because mm-hmm. I have not seen him in anything. Yeah, uh, and he doesn't look like he to me. He looks too young. I'm yeah. sure the actor is the right age. It's what Charlie Cox? 
Yeah, but yeah. he's got, he's got that younger face. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like a baby face kind of guy. So we'll yeah. see. We'll we'll see if they gruff him up a little bit for the, for the show. I mean, he's got that same baby face quality that Simmons has from Fitzsimmons on Shield. Mm-hmm. Like you know that guy's pushing thirty, but he looks like he's fourteen. Yeah. It's got the same. That guy's got the same issue, in my opinion, except that he's probably a lot taller. I just, I just really want the guy playing uh, Foggy to start going quack, 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 quack. See quack. that the Foggy casting? I was kind of like cool. <laughs> yeah, though that's that's actually right on the money. Like he he could play the uh, the nervous Foggy that we didn't really get too much in the uh, in in the movies because you know when when you're when you're played by uh, Mister Favreau, yeah, John Favreau, it's it's a it's a different uh, type of uh, character than the one that you would be be getting otherwise. To swing this and hey that. <laughs> Did, did you catch any of the leaks? And for that matter, what are your takes on the leaks? Do you think they were intentional or not for uh, for Flash and Constantine? I have I have not seen any of those. No. All right. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. And actually, Chris and I will probably record an extra point sometime uh, next week about them. Uh, we haven't watched Constantine yet, but uh, we've watched Flash. I'll say it's it's on par with the Arrow pilot. In quality, uh, it's 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 a very it's a very similar pilot in a lot of ways. Like there is a lot of setup going on, but the teases that they make in the show itself have me hoping that things are going to go well in this first season. Like it's it, it's it's really strong so far. Like it's it's again it, it's a typical pilot, so it's it's hard to really say whether it's going to have legs. But I I can right. see it going pretty far. Well, the the thing that worries me is that every every show. On CW, well, any kind of superhero theme show now, other than Agents of Shield, is mm-hmm. this dark and brooding kind of thing, which Arrow is. Yeah, and Flash is kind of the opposite of that. Well, th- um, there is some fun to be found in the pilot, which is good. Like, it, okay. it, 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 there's there's some there's a lot more humor that's present in this pilot than you found in the in the pilot for Arrow. Like, our Cisco and the girl. Shield agent or not Shield? What Star Labs? So confusing. <laughs> yeah. Are they more likable than Fitz and Simmons were in that pilot? They're more Felicity than they are Fitz and Simmons. Okay. Yeah, and which actually kind of annoys me a little bit. Like they're too much in the mold of Felicity. Like I, I hope that they break them out of that a little bit too much. But they're they're a very similar type of of scientists uh, in that aspect. And and well, I meant as far as like likability. Oh yeah, no likability. They're much more in the, in the realm of, of Felicity than Fitz and Simmons. Yes, definitely, one hundred percent. You'll find them significantly less annoying. Let's put it that way. Cool. As for the rest of it, I mean, again, there's there's some reveals in the pilot that I don't want to give away, and I might actually, I mean, again, I might go full spoiler on the uh, on the extra point itself. I'll just say that if somehow the pilot were to fall into your lap, I would suggest you watch it. Yes, I I will put it on my list to have fallen from the sky. Your your, your cousin your cousin Bit calls. It's right there <laughs> next to my Xbox One. <laughs> yeah, and, and Constantine, uh, well. Here, here's the thing about both of these leaks. The Flash leak, at least from what I from what I watched, that was a review copy that leaked, uh-huh. meaning that this was sent out to a the press to review at this stage in like late June, early July, which seems a little bit early for a September show. Right, but there are so many shows. Right, I know exactly. But at the same time, it, it does really make you wonder whether or not the studios are doing this on purpose. To try and try and you know bring up the popularity of a show before it even gets released officially. 
Yeah, well, maybe they'll uh, show it at Comic Con. They're going well. to. They're going to. That's already on the yeah. docket. Like, both, I think both Flash and Constantine are going to be uh, screened at, at at Comic Con, which was having some people in connections. Like, great, so everyone on the internet gets to see this before the world premiere. Well, uh, the other thing too, I'm kind of wondering, is this going to be like a Scott Pilgrim thing for them, though? Mm-hmm. You know, where everybody sees it at Comic Con and your whole freaking audience has already seen it. <laughs> So they don't watch the premiere, but they tune into episode two. Yeah, and people are going to look at, or the executives are going to be like, "Look, our premiere did poorly." Uh, yeah, but it's got great fan buzz. But look, our premiere did poorly. Uh, <laughs> well, you never know. Yeah, I know. You never know. I, I have more worries about Constantine than I do uh, Flash, just because I don't think I think CW has enough invested in Flash where I could easily see it going at least two seasons if not more than that. Constantine mm-hmm. is on a Friday on NBC and the only show that's ever actually succeeded on Friday for NBC is Grand. That's it. Like Hannibal? And, and, and well Hannibal Hannibal barely succeeds. Right. Like it, it's a damn good show. It's just a, it doesn't get ratings. That's the bad part. Yeah, I know. That show deserves so much more. Absolutely. Absolutely. That show is awesome, man. I, I, I love the uh, the season two finale. But, uh, I, I can't wait for season three. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, and now that Mr. Morpheus is off doing other things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's coming back. Yeah. You you, you do any other uh, video game uh, stuff that, that you want to talk about? I, I need to do some uh, some more talking with Jim. I guess he's he's bit the bug, oh, yeah. I would say. He has bit the bug. He has branched off. Uh, he was writing. He's writing articles for this site, mm-hmm. which he plugged away in our last BK's bullet. So I won't give them a plug here. Nice. And um, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's just another reason for our listeners to go seek it out. Exactly. So PlayStation has this record thing on mm-hmm. there for yeah. or PS4. So he's been recording video game play sessions and talking over that about different things okay and putting them up on his youtube channel i listened to one of them today and i was like he goes i have done these with burnt casino and (laughs) i'm gonna strike out on my own which is kind of weird because he didn't tell me that at work exactly he was just like oh yeah i'm kind of doing youtube and stuff but um he gets paid very well for those or he had i don't know he gets a a bunch of hits on the he's the only guy that gets hits on this site i guess nice that he writes for so they're they're paying him pretty well Sweet. i think he's made like over two thousand bucks from it noise noise yeah well what do you what do you think uh about this early sellout for for new york comic-con and sellouts in general i feel like comic conventions and events as a whole are getting so bogged down by the internet ease of reselling you know like yeah it, it's it, it's getting to the point now where you've got uh, scalpers clogging up the, the pipes for people who actually want to go to this shit. And even people who aren't necessarily going to go buying multiple tickets just in case they happen to go. And if not, they're going to sell it to other people. See, there, there's a guy at work, his new intern, who works with Jim, uh, weirdly enough. And he's he's on a two-month rotation out in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what he's doing over there, but yeah. he's out there. So he's, he's kind of of our ilk. Right. And I was like, dude, you're going to be out there for San Diego Comic-Con. I was like, go. And he was like, yeah, but, I mean, he's one of these guys, but, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of sold out. And I was like, shut up. Just go. Yeah. Just go. Buy a ticket. If you spend $100 for one day, you can at least say that you went and you were, you know, you didn't have to pay for airfare because you were already there. Mm -hmm. So save yourself the hassle and just go and be a part of the culture. Right. And it's like, you know, 
I would love, love to have done that. I, I had that one trip where I came so into close. San Diego the Monday after. Yep. We missed each other. You got, know what I mean? Got, got to have the breakfast with pants. That was your uh, Comic-Con experience. That was. That was. <laughs> not even. It was, hey, pants. Hey, how are you? Who are you? Bye. Yeah. I kind of I kind of feel for him that, that way that there's no more tickets available. Well, let, and, him, let him know that there's plenty of stuff to do in San Diego the week of where you don't need tickets. Like, I have a friend, David, uh, who wound up volunteering for Woodstock uh, when he was out in San Diego and uh, actually wound up getting into uh, the, the the Comic-Con, not not the hall, but the, uh, you know, the actual uh, convention center itself and, you know, just essentially just walked around. Like, you can walk around without having a, a badge. Just, you know, don't try to get into the hall or, or any, any panels and then you'll wind yeah. up, uh, you know, like having issues. But yeah. and there's plenty of events around the city itself that don't need badges that you could just you know go ahead go to and enjoy as much as the uh convention itself yeah all these bars and parties and things like that you can definitely go to totally yeah and new york comic-con i'm glad that they responded as soon as they did on their on their uh facebook yeah uh, about, about the issues because there were issues Essentially what happened, for any of you who, who are not aware, the day that New York Comic Con's three-day passes were to go on sale, four-day passes went on sale and sold out without any real issues. Like, yeah, there were scalpers who put them up on the on, on StubHub and stuff like that, but, you know, you expect that at this point. Like, immediately afterwards, there were some uh, scalp tickets. For the three-day passes, the minute they were, they were about to go on sale, New York Comic Con's website went down. That's strike number one. They then tweeted out the link directly to the ticket site so everybody crowded the queue and because of that it essentially messed up the queue itself where people who had been signed in since noon uh, that day waiting for the queue to come never really got in past the queue until three-day passes were entirely sold out and yet i know that there were people that signed in at like twelve twenty that wound up getting three-day passes so Something was definitely wrong there, one way or the other, and they they admit that that they're that, that they're they're definitely going to have to talk to the 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 company that put this together for them and try to figure out a solution for next year because this solution is just not working anymore. Yeah, one one thing I never really figured out about about those things is why they insist on putting all of their tickets on sale way in advance. Mm-hmm. Now I know that you need to know how what your numbers and attendance are and things like that, but yeah. for things like to me. For things like New York Comic Con in San Diego, they know what their attendance is going to be. Right. You know what I mean? Okay, New York you need, probably needs a little bit more information because of the newer show. Yeah. Right? It's less than 10 years old. San Diego, however, has years and years of numbers and things to look at. And, you know, I, I can understand doing three day passes, four day passes in advance. Sure. But as you get, you know, put two day passes up in, uh, in starting July 1st because it's here in two weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. People who were who have already made their plans, maybe they already grown there, but put those two day and one day passes on sale closer to the show, yeah, to avoid the scalpers buying them up or whatever. I could see um, that, yeah. You know, same with New York Comic Con. Well, well, with New York Comic Con, th- they did put these on sale later than last year. Like last year, I think was New York s- Comic Con happens in October, right? It does, where, yeah. In September, where, July, yeah, yeah. So they they put them up. In at the end of June this time around, and last year I think it was actually May, so they they did put it up later, which you can understand because special edition NYC happened. You don't want to put it up before special edition NYC because that no. that's going to cause issues and stuff like that. I could easily see them switching to something like what you're talking about, where like they put the four day and the three day up really early, but 
single day passes don't go on sale until maybe like two months beforehand because that way you're going to get a lot more locals involved. I feel like, yeah, you know, like and and isn't that kind of what you want? You're telling me you're not going to have any tickets reserved for day of, yeah, you know, for each for each day. A lot of a lot for walk-ins. Yeah, with a lot of these conventions, there is no such thing as walk-in anymore. Yeah, that that to me is like the weird part. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, that those are the people who you want to come, mm-hmm. or the people who just go, "Hey, dude, there's that thing going on downtown." Sure, I, I want to go to that. Let, let, let's go. Let's walk over there. And that was and then to be the- turned away. No, yeah. it, th- those are people you want to come in and stay and be part of the culture, and then that's how the medium and all that shit grows. I think that's why they made special edition NYC as well, is because they had plenty of walk-ups for that because it was a new show. The numbers for that pale in comparison to New York Comic Con itself because it was just artists and a few retailers. Like it wasn't like the the huge spectacle that New York Comic Con is, but that's not a solution for everybody. You know, that's essentially like. The way I described it on the, on, on the podcast is exactly the way that it was. Like it's a nicer Big Apple Anime Fest. You know, it's it's a it's a way smaller con, and it's not the solution for the average schmo. No. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what they wind up doing about this in the future. I just they definitely need to work on things a bit. And for that matter, anybody, any of you who are wondering, I don't know whether I'm going to be displaying yet at New York Comic Con uh, for Podcast Arena. That's way in the uh, upcoming ether to figure out whether or not I'm, I'm doing that. It's just for now, I have a four day pass with the week long uh, festivities thing they're doing as well, which I got at Special Edition NYC. So we'll see where that takes us. Uh, you got anything else you wanted to touch on? I, I want to know what you think of the proposed leaked DC movie slate. Oh, yeah, and and what you want to see from them at Comic Con. Well, what were the uh, what were the full uh, what was the full list? Do you remember? I, let me think. It was Batman, Superman, mm-hmm. Shazam was in there. Yeah, there was a Justice League movie at the tail end of this, or somewhere in the middle, and then there was a Wonder Woman film. Um, yeah, I'm bringing it up on io9 right now. There, so, were, there was a couple other weird weird items in that list that I was kind of like, whoa, that's yeah, kind see. of ballsy. Yeah, the one we know about, obviously, is Batman v Superman. That's May 2016. Uh, July 2016, Shazam. Uh, Christmas 2016, Sandman. Right, May- which we knew was coming with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Right. May 2017, Justice League. Uh, July 2017, Wonder Woman. Xmas 2017, Flash and Green Lantern, Green Lantern team, team up. up. That's right. Yeah. And May 2018, Man of Steel 2. So yeah. That's a while for Man of Steel 2. Well, this was Man of Steel 2, and then it got co-opted by Batfleck, and, you know. <laughs> yeah, which, I, I mean, again, I, I've said it before, and I continue to say it. It says how little they actually have faith in Superman, that they would not do a straight-up Man of Steel 2 for their quote-unquote tentpole. Well, I mean, look, you guys shit all over that last Superman movie, so why would you think that they had a lot of faith in it when it got so much criticism from the from the people that weren't supposed to criticize but it? But it made them money. It did. It did. I'm not denying that, dude. Like, I mean, I would, I would like to think that it's probably a better idea for DC to have faith in their characters than not. And... By shoehorning Batman into this, that says like they're like they need an an, an extra kicker, you know. Well, I, I kind of feel like you know those that first month leading out of Batman Superman and everybody's, you know, reviewing the movie and critiquing it mm-hmm. and hating on the fact that Superman killed Zod, 
that uh, to me, if, if you get that much criticism from the faithful, you're gonna you're gonna get your not get your ducks in a row and correct course correct, mm-hmm. but you're gonna go with the thing that works. Yeah, and that's in that first month because there was really only a month before we, you know Man of Steel released last year and we had the Comic Con announcement. Right. That's why it was so big because it was so fucking soon. Yeah. But I think in that month they're like, "What are we gonna do next? What are we gonna do next?" Zack Snyder signed on. Cool, cool, cool. And then they're like, "Oh man, everybody really hated Superman." <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, oh crap! What does everybody love? Duh, Batman. And oh, okay. Well, here's going to be Batman v Superman. Quick, uh, come up with something. What was the best Batman story involving Superman ever? Uh, Dark Knight Returns. Okay, yeah. that's going to be your Comic Con presentation. Somebody dress up a logo. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and everything's kind of rolled out after that since. And they want this to be the tentpole for Justice League itself. Like that. Like they seem to be introducing every member of the Justice League in this quote unquote Dawn of Justice movie. To me, I. So what I want to see out of them from Comic-Con is mm-hmm. to roll out their film schedule. Whether it's this one, yeah. which is really ambitious or not, mm-hmm. tell me everything. Yeah. Tell me, tell me your phase one. Right. Tell me who's involved. Tell me all the cast. Bring the cast out. Sure. Jason Momoa, stop beating around the bush and just tell us who you are. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Lobo. Gal, Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman and you know, whoever's playing Cyborg. Wonder Woman's costume. Show me at the show. Yes. You know what I mean? She doesn't have to be in it, but you could have it on display. Give her Hell pants. She- give her pants, goddammit. Give give me everything I could want. And because all Marvel's gonna have is Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. uh, Avengers 2. <laughs> oh, Captain America 3. <laughs> Uh, uh, Doctor Strange. Why, why did you turn Marvel executives into Wayne and Garth? Uh- <laughs> Because I mean that's that's, that's kind of where they're going now. It's kind of like uh, so we, we got all the big their their you know not their big guns because their big guns are at other companies but right. you know we got Hulk and we got Avengers out the door so that's kind of ready to go so now it's kind of like who else can we do things with and you know not really well that's- step on too many toes so they're they're taking risks but it's not. Nothing is going to be a guaranteed success. Here, here's the way the, that, uh, that 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 my friends and I and I put it. Okay, uh, just for the way things look at it. Like DC is all like, we got to be serious about this shit. Like we got to be we got to be really serious with our properties, and we got to be really serious about our space heroes. And Marvel is like, all right, we don't give a fuck. Like we are throwing shit. All over the place. These are the amount of fucks we do not give. We are going to give you a goddamn talking raccoon, and you are going to fucking love it. And you know what? We are going to fucking love it, because that movie looks like it's going to be fantastic. Yes, it does, and I enjoy that balls-to-the-wall approach. However, I I feel like that uh, we're going to see, hopefully, this is my inner DC fanboy. Yeah. We're going to see some quality DC movies, because they have all the quality characters right there to do it with. Right, I would hope so. Like if if say say Marvel had never sold any of their properties, mm-hmm. your first Marvel movie slate would have been Spider Man, X Men, Fantastic Four, Iron Man, leading up to Avengers and and whatnot. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right, and that would have been a balls to the wall blockbuster film schedule. Right. I- Whereas we don't, they don't have that necessarily. But DC has everything all together in one place, so they can do a balls to the wall film schedule. And if 
to me, if they want to be that ambitious and they want to announce all the directors and everything like that, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Show me everything you got. Open up your skirt and say hello. I'm totally interested, and I will be so excited and jazz for that if they they announce everything. If it's just a little tease, I'm gonna be less than pleased. And, and they'll then they'll also announce DC's new logo with an open skirt. I think that. Uh... <laughs> but I mean, that's to me, that's kind of what they have to do. There's so much bad, not bad, but kind of weird feeling about this Batman Superman movie. Awkward. Awkward is the word. Awkward. I look at it. Yeah. yeah. Since nothing has been seen, and we've only had casting announcements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and nothing's really kind of like clicked like, oh, yeah, that guy would make a great, you know, whatever. It's it's the same um, way we feel about Fantastic Four. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. So until we see things moving and rolling and hear what the plans are, they're not going to get the audience to buy in. And I think that's what they need to do at Comic-Con is show us everything, get us to buy in on your vision. And then, I mean, because we're already jumping all over Batman versus Superman movie news as it is. Mm-hmm. Just think of what the frenzy is going to be after comic-con if they do that hey, it's gonna trump every marvel thing you know, until justice league comes out I'm, until avengers 3 gets to thanos i'm buying you know into I mean? i'm buying into their vision i think paul, Bet- paul bettany's gonna play a great vision for marvel uh i i think i think that uh, of of the movie slate that that you're talking about here though the ones that stick out to me as potential like really big gangbuster movies if they're done right Shazam number one, because Shazam is a character you could get both kids and adults screaming about, you know, because he's both. You got to catch yes. a, you got to cast a really good kid to play Freddie Freeman, and you got to play, you got to cast a damn good adult in the role of Shazam, and do not CGI Shazam. That is a stupid idea. No, get that kid from uh, Iron Man three to be uh, Freddie Freeman. Sure, sure. He was entertaining. Please, yeah, no, I, I, I'd sign on to that. Please, Sandman. That you get every single Vertigo fan and every person who's ever heard of Neil Gaiman pumped to go see a movie. Bam, that's it. Make Sandman right. Don't do it wrong. I have faith in Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a as a director. He's a little more unproven, so we'll see how that goes. Wonder Woman. Ooh, don't do her wrong. Do not do Wonder Woman wrong, because. I don't think they could afford that. Wonder Woman is a very strong character. You know that. I was surprised how much shit people gave David Finch this last week. I was like, geez. Yeah. Or was it just the comics industry needing something to talk about? No, and and that's just it. We didn't even really give him shit. It was, you know what? It was, it was the wrong way to word it. I understand it was, but there were people in, you know, now it's fire Rick Remender or whatever. Oh, and it's like really screw that. No, that that's absolute horseshit. All right, because that's people who didn't even read the goddamn issue they're talking about. <laughs> all right, Mister. Oh yeah, no, you got to fire Rick Remender for that. Like, you bitch, you're not reading Captain America. I'm reading Captain America, and I know she's freaking twenty. So fuck you. Come on. God, that was stupid. Yes. Freaking grind my gears. <laughs> Just Justice League could be their Avengers, obviously, but. Please call Flash and Green Lantern Brave and the Bold. Do that. Do that for me, please. Even though it has, has to be a subtitle. Flash, Green Lantern, Brave and the Bold. Bam. Christmas 2017 will be a happy Christmas. Get Kevin Smith to write that movie. Yes. I don't even like Kevin Smith anymore, and I say yes. Because I think he would write a good Flash, Green Lantern. He's got such a love. I listened to his Fat Man on Batman podcast. Uh-huh. 
you could write the shit out of that movie. Hell yeah. And it would be fun and entertaining as all hell. Yeah, no, great. And and, and even the better. The dialogue, the witty banter between the two, that's exactly what you need. Get somebody to come up with a good plot and get Kevin Smith to write the dialogue. And you know what? I'm even going to go out on a giant limb and say this. You know what? Get Ryan Reynolds back. Hell yeah. Get Ryan Reynolds back. He's not Ryan a Reynolds bad actor. Script. Yeah. Oh, man. Please, come on. Especially considering... He's not the reason Green Lantern failed. All right? No. The script no. and the, the director and the CGI are why Green Lantern failed. Like, he was he was given a bad movie to work with to begin with Ryan Reynolds. But, you know, I also understand if they want to go maybe a, a Jon Stewart route, we'll, we'll see, since there's absolutely no men of color in this Justice League except for Cyborg. But, you know, we got a while to figure this out, man. Well, there's nobody in Avengers 2. Yeah, that's true. Well, I guess, does Nick Fury count? Uh, well, actually, Falcon's going to be in it. I don't know that he's in it. Uh, they, he's been on set. Okay. Yeah, he's been on set, so he's at least in it in one way or the other. I know that the original report that Rhodey was going to be in it was proven, I believe, incorrect, but Falcon... See, that they need to have him in it. Yes, especially if they're getting rid of Robert Downey, then yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I saw something on Facebook today. It was like, Spider-Man 2 on the Avengers 2 set. I was like, no way. No. They had some guy in a hood, and it was total Photoshop clickbait article from Screen Crush. <laughs> Those motherfuckers. <laughs> Comics Alliance sister site, my ass. Goddamn assholes. Um, but I was kind of thinking about this as I was doing dishes earlier. Like, what if they just had, like, Andrew Garfield holding a camera, taking pictures of the action in New York? You it's know, just Andrew Garfield taking pictures. Yeah. That's not... It's not really Spider-Man, and it's not really Peter Parker, but it kind of is, and I, I, I'm just throwing that out there. Contractually, could he do it? Probably not. Ben Riley with the Daily Beast. Right, but, you know, <laughs> I think they, they should do something like that. They were this close to putting Oscorp Tower in the Avengers, or yeah. vice versa. It was vice versa. I, I think I, Stark Tower or something like that was supposed to show up in Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I think that... They could send Andrew Garfield over there for two days and, you know, just get a couple of shots with him in a crowd and a camera. And just call it done. Play nice, people. You know, play nice. We got that stupid coda at the end of Amazing Spider-Man with uh, the X-Men scene due to contractual reasons uh, with Mark Webb. But that at least means that they're sort of playing nice between Fox and Sony. So, Marvel, play nice with your friends. You know, let's, let, let's all have peace, not war. Except for maybe Fox. They can get rid of X-Men and Fantastic Four and bring them back to Marvel. I don't care. <laughs> all right. You got anything else? That's all I got, man. Cool. All right. So, like I said, expect a, uh extra point about both Flash and Constantine in the next week or so. And I might be recording, and Brent, you're welcome to join in on this if, you, if you'd like. If not, no big deal. I uh, might be recording with Sean Pryor next week just as a general catch-up because he hasn't been on the show in a while, and uh, I like talking to my buddies. So uh, I'll keep you posted on that, Brent, and uh, that'll be that, right? That'll be that. Sweet! Uh, once again, we're sponsored by DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service at DCBService.com. 50% off Marvel and DC hardcovers, 40% off Marvel, DC, Image, and Dark Horse, and a bunch of other great deals. Check them out at DCBService.com. And the email address for Comic Timing is comictiming at gmail.com. 
Don't forget to check us out at Facebook at facebook.com slash comic timing. And uh, send us an iTunes review if you'd like. Proud members of the Comics Podcast Network over at comicspodcast.com and the League of Comic Book Podcasts over at comicbooknoise.com slash league. So for Casina, I mean, love to see reminding everybody out there that there's always time for comics. All right. Boom. Boom. So I got to tell you this story. Did yeah. you listen to the last BK's Bullets pre-E3 with me and Jim? I listened to about half of it. Okay. So I guess towards the end, he says, if you email me such and such at, and he gives out his email address, I will mail you a dollar. Okay. He's had, I don't know what the exact number, I'll say at least five. At least five people email him, and he has PayPal them all a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> he told me this last week, and I was like, what? <laughs> Seriously? Hey, that's a good way to prove we have listeners, man. <laughs> <laughs> we have at least five listeners. Boom! <laughs> Oh, that's fucking awesome. I'm like a month and a half out from the baby. I know, home stretch, man. Holy shit. Really sinking in now, huh? I- I'm ready. Amanda Amanda just had a thing today where she was like, I'm scared. Oh, my God. Yeah, that'll that'll come and go. That'll come and go. Well, we, had, we had plenty of training this weekend. My friends, Thompson and Jamie, came up from Tampa, and they have a, a two-month-old, so they spent Wednesday through yesterday here with us. Okay. And then my friends David and Stephanie came over on the fourth, and they have a, a three week old. <laughs> yes, lots of baby holding and <laughs> feeding and rocking and bouncing and stuff. So it's like they come around just to be like, "All right, so this is how it's going to be." That's this is pretty much what the point was. Yes, nice. nice. So well, we got a lot of baby time in. So I think that helped me tremendously. Cool. I, I had a lot of uh, overeating and drinking. This last I'm weekend, sure. So I'm that, sure that was uh, that was a good fun fourth. Yeah, made myself some uh, white lantern marinated steak. Mm. And here goes my dog again because I'm making <laughs> weird noises. <laughs> Baxter, that'll teach me. That'll teach Baxter. <laughs> hey, nice. Bark, 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 bark. Baxter, you're you're Vince B. Cyloning on me right now. Yeah, so are you. Yeah. Test, 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 test,